Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I don't have my headphones plugged in, so it's tough to do the yes, yes thing. Hold on a second. I'll do it. No, I don't think it's your place. You can't do that. Like only Gary Coleman can do what you're talking about, Willis. You're right. You know what I mean? Then they tried to have Todd Bridges do. Say what? They tried to get him to do. You ever watch Different Strokes? No. Is that before your time? Uh, just a little bit. What was that? Mid-80s? Late 70s. Yeah. Just a year or two. Name the uh, maids on Different Strokes. Go. Uh, Flo. Flo was a waitress on Alice. Oh, Dingbat. Uh, Dingbat was Vera. And Alice, but that wasn't the question. We're going to talk Alice tomorrow. Today we're talking different strokes. Jeffrey was the butler in Fresh Prince. Yeah, this is a this is a classic Quinn Snyder redirect. <laughs> I, I ask a question, you just answer another question. That's how I like to do it. I respect that. What time's John Denton on? Ten fifteen. I was out there talking with uh, Randy Carricker and Brooke Grimsley, and then Mike Ryder goes, "Get in there, champ." <laughs> Because he knew it was about time to be Piddle's time. Yeah, and it would be all Chris Tapps, Porzingis all the time on this show if I didn't walk into the studio. I think the listeners would have been better suited. Is that right? Well, no, but I would be. I'll, cl- I'll clear two minutes right now. No, it's okay. We don't, I don't need to subject people to that. Uh, John Denton's going to talk Cardinals with us. And he was in Paris when we... Yeah, uh, c'est la vie. Yeah. So yeah. He, is, is he still in Paris? Uh, no, I believe he is in London now. Um, but we have him on at 1015. So nice. shout out to John Denton for joining us or the pond. First uh, British guest in this show's history. Is that the case? Yeah, probably so. I tried getting Daniel Craig on, you know, but he he stiffed us. Right. So, yeah, this would be our first guest in England. I don't believe John himself is British, but we'll check. Hey, we giving away tickets today? That's a great question. I believe the answer is yes. Bud Bash tickets, I believe we are. It's going through the 23rd, baby, and that's tomorrow. How about oh, yeah. this? And we're giving away Bud uh, Bash tickets. Yesterday, the deep dive request got the, what was the one, Tim, what was it like to get your yeah. ass dragged on a building in New York by Steve Savard? Yes. Good, that was a good That text. was a great story. Uh, let's see what we got today. Jackson, what would you, how would you like to give them away today? I kind of like the deep dive thing, the incentive. Yeah, another deep have, dive? But we have Den, the 1015. Um, NYC, we have the, what do we have, the sports business? Sports business newsletter. Yeah, yeah, that can get me going. Well, a deep dive request, if there's a good one, yeah, you can get the tickets. Otherwise, one. just rip our asses like normal and get yeah. the uh, tech tickets. Yeah. 101 ESPN has your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus Astros. Next week's Bud Bash game features a limited edition Mark Witten bobblehead. Text in now. At 314-399-9646 to win Bud, Budweiser Bash tickets for Cardinals versus Astros. Get all the details on the season series of Budweiser Bash Cardinals games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. Well, this is a program that informs but also makes its listeners money. And yesterday, I hope you bet the bankroll on the Cardinals and Nationals under because you were handsomely Rewarded. It was as close to a five-star play of the year that we would make this early in the year. But when there was bad weather, when there was Miles Michaelis, when there were two last-place teams, one of which having to fly across the pond 
There was no way in the world that that game was going to go over. None! Trevor Williams, who, with all due respect to Trevor Williams' career, has never been confused for Clayton Kershaw, was able to somehow get through the Cardinal lineup in six innings and 75 pitches. Almost like the boys were like, let's make sure we get this thing in so we can get on the plane and not arrive in London like at 8 in the morning, UK time. Right. Jackson, you got paid in the Escalade yesterday. I got paid in the Escalade yesterday. And the millions and millions who are listening to Munganass St. Louis Acura Alton Toyota's balloon party got paid in the Escalade. What are we going to do with our money? We are going to parlay it. Oh. On a different play. Oh. That was... It piqued my curiosity, and then just somehow you were able to absolutely not deliver. That's kind of my business model, is like it's good, good, good ideas good. with no execution. And uh, You're the great dry humper. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's, uh, that was, I got uh, that in high school. It was, uh, oh, that was really, is that was right? my senior quote. Yeah. I am the great dry humper? Mm-hmm. People still like, that's kind of narcissistic. I was like, no, you're wrong. No, that's your brand. I saw you cross paths with Jamie Rivers yesterday. I was waiting to watch him throw you into the boards of the hallway here at Hubbard Radio. And he said, what's up, DJ Piddles? That's right. <laughs> he yeah. you DJ Piddles. He knows, he knows better than to, to come at the king. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tim, I'd like a D- Piddles deep dive into his thoughts the nights he lay beside Lisa Ann. Sort of the three one four. That's a, that. That to yeah. me is worthy of Bud Bash tickets, from my standpoint. But Jackson, we have to have a quorum. It's usually intoxicated. Being oh, totally right? honest, on boat drinks, boat drinks, and basically whatever. So uh, one night I fell asleep while reading a book next to Lisa Ann, and that was uh, that was a topic for sure. It's hot, man. Hot, yeah, but yeah, naughty really is. Um, I just mostly stayed in my little corner of the bed and tried not to make any issues. Just sit there quietly. Wow, and very sleep. hot. It's getting hotter by the second. Well, you know, I'm just being honest out here with you. No, the, my that. thoughts in my mind, mostly, it was during Mizzou basketball season. So, you know, how are we going to work in Mo Diara into this offense? So you're talking Missouri basketball with Lisa Ann. Wasn't taught. No, this is these were intrusive thoughts of my own. What uh, was Lisa Ann doing? Uh, uh, sleeping, most likely. Uh, just not having conversations about Mizzou basketball with me. <laughs> Timmy, I want a deep dive on Jackson in 48 hours. Is that only <laughs> HD2 content? And for the Tim McKernan show, that's from the 314. Oh, we're getting a lot of deep dive requests. I like this. That's great stuff. Uh, what is this? Tim, I would like to take a deep dive into something BK said yesterday on his show, but his worst fear is him being asleep and someone urinating in his mouth because he sleeps with his mouth open. To me, it comes off as more of a fetish for him than a nightmare, but your thoughts, please. And what are your worst fears? Was that really said on... That was not said? (laughs) We We got duped? It's not really like us to get duped. We're kind of really good at vetting these things. Oh, we're very good at vetting. I mean, yeah. It's very rare that a breaking ball would slip by us. It's like the only time in the 18 months we were doing this, I looked over and Ryder was listening to the show and he just was shaking his head with his eyes closed. 
It's like, yeah, that didn't happen. Well, that should win Bud Bash tickets. I'm giving out Bud Bash tickets to everybody like I'm Oprah. That's what I'm doing here today. <laughs> you get today. a ticket. You get a ticket. We just had Marlon Wayans in studio on TMA. Yeah, that was How great. great. was he? Awesome. He's outstanding. And you've seen Air, which he is in. He plays uh-huh. George Raveling, former yep. USC coach. He also was at Iowa and Washington State. And he is uh, tied into uh, that film. Yeah, big time. And you give that on uh, well, goodorbad.com. It's, it's good, right? Very much so, yeah. Good. If you give me a one to five star scale, where are you going to... It's a, it's a. Oh, you're about to go three. Well, can I get like a half? Can I do half stars? Wow, so three and a half. Yeah, it takes a lot. I mean, there's very. Well, few it's a five. four star film for me. What's a four star f- sports film? So I get an idea of your scale. What's a five star sports film? So I have a an five idea. star is Moneyball. Moneyball is a five star sports film. A four star sports film would be like uh, The Fighter with Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. Wow. That's like a four star. And then a five-star would be like Moneyball or Bull Durham. Um, yeah. So I would say it's a three and a half. It, it, it could probably creep into a four-star. I really like it. And uh, Marlon Wayne, he basically only has one scene, but it's a really important part of the movie. Conversation with Matt Damon. It's great. And it's very, the George Raveling piece of Michael Jordan's choice to go with Nike is, is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. Uh, there are a bunch of people texting in that BK said that yesterday. <laughs> There, there actually are. There are a bunch of text things, so I can verify. <laughs> what we'll to ask them? I'll shoot them a text. I don't know how I'm going to phrase it. So, BK. How great is this? I never heard of Tim before the show on 101. That's nice. With all, that's great. Yeah. That's my fantasy. <laughs> uh, with all the references to Denzel, I'm not sure if Tim is white or black. <laughs> um, and I'm too lazy to Google it because I can't spell his last name. LOL. Uh, I would be the antithesis of Denzel Washington in so many ways, just getting past our skin pigment. Yeah, I would say the charisma is very similar. Yeah, I agree with that part. You know, people, when you walk into a room, people are like, oh, there's, yeah. Tim, there's Denzel. Yeah. You're like, yeah. when, I, when I walk into Napoli. Yeah, it's but there's like people who can just go by one name. It's Jack Nicholson, Jack, Denzel, obviously Denzel, and then Tim. And when you say Tim, people know you're talking about. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. So there are a lot of similarities. Uh, more than you would think. So you the know. only difference is that I'm an yeah. Irish gentleman. You have 25 Hall of Fame years. He probably is getting closer to the 40-year Hall of Fame. But St. Elsewhere. St. Elsewhere. I'm, a, I'm very partial to uh, training days, one of my favorite. I like flight a lot. Um, and I think you could have done all those performances. Yeah, I agree with that. American Gangster. American Gangster. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, and, and, and indifferent on that one. But uh, wow, that was a very what an what an odd progression on your own discussion there. American Gangster. Oh, oh yeah. Well, he's in indifferent on that. But I am indifferent on. It's American like oh Gangster. yeah, thanks for reminding me. Oh yeah, and then it was yeah, I don't care. Well, it was just a it was a regression really, and it played out in a matter of like a second and a half too. I really like Denzel's son, of course, former St. Louis Ram. He was John David, uh, who is an outstanding actor. And he was in the HBO show Ballers. Ballers, Black Klansman, Which Tenet. Which was really kind of a bad show, bad. but I watched it. Oh, me too. Really bad. It was an Entourage ripoff, which is a... I'm re-watching Entourage right now. Uh-huh. And I do understand why it wouldn't necessarily play in 2023, but I got to tell you, I really enjoy it. It's just very bro. It's extremely bro. Uh, it's clearly very mid-2000s, but like the actual like dynamic. I mean, it's early 2000s. It debuted oh, yeah. in 2004. Yeah, but the actual like the brotherhood, like the, the friendships between the four guys is really, really good. It's like actually outstanding. And Kevin Dillon as Johnny Drama is elite. That's elite co- wow, comedic acting. look at that. 
It's a weak comedic acting. Jackson with a Kevin Dillon tribute right here in the very first segment. We're going to have a John Denton tribute on the other side of the commercial break. He is going to join us from London. This show is now global. That's right. From HD2 to global. One hour midday radio. Look at this. Look at us. Yeah. Dunking on you. Uh, John Denton is going to join us on the other side of the break, talking Cardinals baseball and the Cardinals and Cubs this weekend in London. That's coming up next on Balloon Party. Driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. That's Action Jackson Burkett across from me. And standing and looking at the Tower of London as he talks to us? Yep. Is that on the north bank of the River Thames? Am I correct on that? I believe so, Tim. Ladies and gentlemen, John Denton with a commitment to excellence because he's in London, at the Tower of London? <laughs> what in the world? Is that right, John? Yeah, yeah, Tim, as I was going in, Stephen Matz was coming out. So, uh, you know, I uh, saw him getting out and about. He had his father with him, doing a little sightseeing today, but I'm, I'm doing the same as well. How about that? Awesome. Look Super at cool. that. Cool. Uh, so you have, you've been uh, in, uh, in Western Europe here for the last uh, few days, am I correct? Yeah, I um, uh, had someone, uh, we had another staffer cover the Washington series for me, so I spent three days in Paris and now four in London, so I'm a world traveler. Look at you. I have it, never it, been. Getting a little culture in. Yeah. I, now, I've never been. Jackson, of course, is uh, old money, so he has been uh, everywhere. Uh, is this is this your maiden voyage uh, to these uh, these wonderful global cities? I may be the first person in history, Tim, to cover an NBA game and an MLB game in London. So I've, oh. I've been to London three or four times. I've been to Paris now three or four times. Um, I have uh, my my girlfriend is a uh, French professor, a college French professor, so she speaks French very well. So she was my uh, she was my translator the whole time. How about that? <laughs> Look at that. So have you had wonderful dining experiences? Lots of bread, lots of cheese, uh, uh, you know, so uh, the, the waistline's going to look a little different when I, by the time I get back from this trip. <laughs> I just had the fish and chips with a pint, so uh, all is well. Nice. All lubed up for the interview. That's the kind of, that's the kind of radio I like to do anyway. Uh, John Denton, kind enough to join us from the Tower of London. Jackson said we're going to do a special interview today. We're going to do it from the Tower of London, and yep. that's where he is. Cardinals uh, with the day off today and tomorrow, and then they'll take on the Cubs in uh, London. Do you get any sense for the enthusiasm around London for Major League Baseball making its uh, return with the Cardinals and the Cubs this weekend? Well, let's put it this way. I've seen about uh, eight times more Cardinal fans than I have Cub fans. So oh, wow. So I've seen lots of, lots of Cardinal red. There's lots of Cardinal red at the uh, Tower of London right now. Um, I saw there was a table, uh, you know, down from me uh, full of Cardinal fans. And then, uh, you know, the, uh, the waiter asked me about what sporting event was in town. So I explained baseball to him and uh, so, I, like I said, I've seen a lot more Cardinal fans than Cub fans so far. How about that? And uh, the stadium, I, uh, I've seen some pictures of it and how they had to what, uh, adjust the the fences out in uh, in the outfield. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tim, the last time they played here, uh, it was a four-hour, forty-two-minute game. It was six-six after the first inning. I believe it was like eighteen-eleven in the first game, and then twelve-eight in the second game with the Red Sox and uh, Yankees. That was in 2019, so they had to push the fences back. I think they were 380 at the time 
in 2019. I think they're about playing about 395 now. So they've done some adjustments to try to add some extra room out there. But as Adam Wainwright said the other day, I better keep the ball on the ground. He will uh, get a chance to uh, experience that uh, this weekend as the Cardinals take on the Cubs. They're coming off of winning two straight series. Yesterday, not a whole lot there. Uh, Jackson and I were theorizing that they weren't going to take a chance on that game getting rain delayed, which would mean delaying the six-plus-hour flight from Washington, D.C. To, uh, uh-huh. to to London. And, uh, and it certainly looked like that with Trevor Williams getting through six innings on 75 pitches. So uh, rather efficient performance there. Cardinals waste a good Miles Michaelis outing. But overall, four of six to start this road trip by winning two in Queens and two in D.C. Your analysis of whether or not this is any indication of a potential turnaround for the Cardinals. Yeah, you know, it, it's hard to tell with this team because we thought they had gotten themselves right before and then they went right back in the tank. So, you know, we're going to need to see it longer than we've seen it before. But, I mean, I thought they played really well in New York. You know, that was that was a good series for them because they got whitewashed the first day, 6-1. to one. It took two hours and one minute. Like, that game was over in no time. And then to come back and win the way they did, the wind was swirling, it was raining, Wayno uh, had the lead. They almost let him back in it, uh, you know, but but Wayno held strong, got the win, good relief pitching that day. And then Sunday they blew the lead, had a big lead. They were up 5-1, they are up 7-4. Uh, that could have been the kind of kind of game that they could have broken their spirit, you know, but they uh, uh, they found a way to win that one, Nolan Arenado. Uh, uh, the first Father's Day as a dad hits two home runs. That was a big win for him. And, you know, that Mets team is – Still pretty good. I, I thought that was a good series for the Cardinals and kind of got, a, got them going in the right direction. So, you know, I, I, I think they're they're playing better right now, but I still want to reserve judgment because they're about to face a Cubs team that's really good. Uh, the, the Cubs have uh, played some good baseballs. Have let they're on a three-game winning streak, eight, uh, winning eight of their last ten. But a team that is uh, picking it up and laying it down with a lot of youthful energy is the team on an eleven-game winning streak, uh, and that is the Cincinnati Reds, who are now nine games up on the Cardinals. And you know, I, I bring up the Reds not just to, to get your perspective on the legitimacy of them, John, but also the Reds' surge can be impactful on what the Cardinals do over the next five six weeks, because if the Reds do pull away, then what John Mazalak had said, the division could put them in a position where he would look to add, if they pull away, even if the rest of the division is mediocre at best, perhaps that alters the Cardinal strategy. So two-part question for you, John. Uh, your thoughts on the Reds and, and whether or not this is legitimate, and then secondarily, uh, its potential impact on what the Cardinal strategy is for the trade deadline. Yeah, it was, you know, it was it was shocking to see when, you know, we're playing the Reds. It was like, wow, the Reds are three games better. They were only three games better than the Cardinals when they started the series at Bush, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And, and it kind of dawned on you, wait a minute, the Reds haven't tried to win in three or four years, and they're three, four, three games ahead of the Cardinals. And, you know, it looked like the Cardinals could catch them. The Cardinals blew them out of the water in game one, and then the Reds started that winning streak in, in Bush Stadium. Uh, you know, they won game two and game three of that series, so. You know, since then, uh, the Reds have been red hot. Uh, uh, the Abbott kid has pitched really well. He, he's legit. You know, a lot of people discredit him because he's a smaller guy. Uh, he doesn't seem to have great stuff, but, man, he gets outs, and, and guys are having tr- trouble hitting him. And the, and the Reds have drafted well. You know, I mean, as the GM once told me, he said, when you pick in the top five every year, you should be getting better. You know, you should be having all these prospects come up and, 
you know, they, they got a good little second baseman. Uh, the, the second baseman's so good that Jonathan India is out of a job now. They're looking to move Jonathan India around because their infield is set with, you know, De La Cruz. Uh, they, they have some good pieces, and, and it would not surprise me if the Reds are around to stay for a while, and, you know, the Cardinals are going to be, be chasing them, and they're going to have a tough decision to make. I just find it hard to believe that the Cardinals can – can can be sellers that they can go fully into to rebuild mode. When you've got three million tickets pretty much already sold, when you have a fan base that's demanding that you win, it's pretty hard to blow it up in the middle of the season. I, I really find that hard to believe that, that that would ever happen this season. That that That's the part that, while I personally, if they really are out of it, would love to see them do it, in Bill DeWitt's tenure as owner, we've never seen it, but it isn't because he isn't necessarily willing to do it. There just hasn't been a season that would call for it. I suppose the closest thing would have yeah. been 2007, um, a season in which they were the defending world champions, but Chris Carpenter was hurt on opening night, and it just never got right. So we don't really know how to compare and contrast a past season in which the Cardinals were sellers because Johnson's Bill DeWitt's taken over. They haven't really been in that spot. Um, but a decision is going to have to be made at some point over the next six weeks, and now the Reds are nine games up and in, in surging. And that's why I wonder, okay, is this thing with, for real with Cincinnati? And if it is, do the Cardinals then go, okay, we're going to have to pull the plug? Yeah, I, you know, I find it hard to believe the Reds have enough pitching. Uh, you know, they do have a lot of good position players. I don't think they have the pitching. You know, usually we see these teams, you know, through the last few years, uh, Milwaukee's, uh, the, the Cubs, seems like that. They're good until they get to August, 1st of August, and then their pitching kind of falls apart. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked if the Cardinals, you know, the Cardinals have, have finished really strong the last four or five years in a row. We all remember the 17-game yeah. winning streak. Uh, the Cardinals were behind by five games last year when Milwaukee came to town. You know, they were, a lot of people forget, they were way behind last season and then rallied. So they've been a second-half team, and, I think they're probably kind of banking on that Cincinnati doesn't have enough pitching and that, you know, eventually Cincinnati's pitching will kind of give out and the Cardinals will surge the way they have the last few years. Cardinals certainly could uh, could wonder about their own pitching, uh, as is, uh, is the case for a few of the teams in the National League Central. With regards to one story that I feel like no matter what happens this season, assuming he continues on this pace, a guy uh, who you've covered, I feel like you've covered him perhaps better than anybody else uh, in the area and, and developed a rapport with him, and that's that's Jordan Walker. The, the roller coaster of his 2023 three, and I take that back to uh, Jupiter, Florida, has been up, down, up, down, and now back up again. Um, that is something that I think, if you're focused on the Cardinals' win total, and I don't blame anybody for being focused on it, you can understand why people would be down about it. But what Walker has done since coming back up, and after those first two weeks in Memphis where it looked like he might have completely lost his confidence and been a mess, that is incredibly positive uh you you get to talk to him behind the scenes and of course talk with the the staff on on his performance this has been really something to watch here since he's come back to st louis and he has been on a heater here as of late yeah tim the, the kid is just so impressive I, I continue to be impressed with him you know the way he handles the downs the way he handles the ups his father told me he said look i'm not going to sugarcoat it the first couple of weeks in memphis were tough like they hit him hard because he thought, you know, he had accomplished the dream. He made the Major League Baseball. And then all of a sudden, after three weeks, a month, they tell him he's not good enough and send him back down. That that hit the kid really hard. And it kind of rattled him to the core. And it took him a couple weeks to get over it. 
But, I mean, think about it. He has a 12-game hitting streak and a 13-game hitting streak, and he spent a month in the minor leagues. Like, that's hard to do. All the kid does is hit, and all he does is hit balls hard. Uh, you know, do they all have the right launch angle? No, but he's 21 years old. Just let him hit. You know, from the day we all pick up a bat and, and start playing baseball, you're taught the, the number one thing you want to do is hit the ball hard. That's all this kid does is hit the ball hard, you know. Yes, he hits them on the ground, but they're 114 miles an hour, and the defenders can't get in the way of them. You know, they don't want to get in the way of them a lot of times. So I, I think the kid's on the right track. He's been through some ups and downs. They threw a curveball at him by sending him down. Uh, it hit him hard, but look how he's dug out of it at 21 years old. Like his maturity is off the charts, and I, I say it, I say it all the time, and I'll keep saying it. He's going to be the Cardinals' right fielder or left fielder for the next 12 years. So he's going to get better defensively, and he's going to be this franchise's anchor piece for the next 10, 12 years. That's John Denton talking to us live from London. He's at the Tower of London. He will be covering the Cardinals and Cubs this weekend in London. Very kind to take time out of your trip, sir, to join us. Enjoy the festivities. Enjoy the trip. And thank you so much for your time this morning from overseas, John. Sounds great, Tim. I'll bring you back a uh, fish and chip sandwich. Oh, my God. I'm sure it'll be fresh. That'll be wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, John. Take care. There he is, John Denton of MLB.com, our regular guest here on Thursdays on Balloon Party. 101 ESPN presented to you by Monganess St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. Well, huge development during our first commercial break, Jackson, as the great Mike Ryder came in and uh, revealed a conversation with uh, Brandon Kiley of BK and Ferrario. Uh, in which uh, he did confirm that the that what is now known as capital T capital I the incident right took place on BK and Ferrario. Sources tell me audio is being pulled. So uh, Jackson just did a <laughs> a facial expression. I think Ryder is pulling the audio. Don't worry. I think Ryder went into a meeting. So <laughs> <laughs> I think he abandoned ship on the. Well, on maybe the... you and I can play the role of. Sure. Yeah, we'll recreate it. We'll recreate it. Uh, so yeah, b- a bunch of you texted in. No, he really did say it. <laughs> so uh, now he was, he's told that we're talking about it and going, oh God of anybody on this station, those two nitwits, <laughs> to be recreating it. But we're the right candidates. Yeah. Uh, or maybe uh, your boy uh, Jamie Rivers. And Marshy Marsh. And Marshy Marsh and his playful posse. They actually they would be great They would it. be great at it as well. Stalter, sure, on the fast lane, why not? Uh, so uh, that is uh, coming your way in the second half of Blarty. Deep dive request that is actually used on the show can win you Cardinal Bud Bash tickets. Four of them for next Tuesday's game between the Cardinals and the Astros, featuring the limited edition Mark Witten bobblehead. You can get all the details on this season's series of Budweiser Bash Cardinals games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. Texting your deep dive request, 314-399-9646. Plus, we have the Little Piddles Sports Business Review. A little newsletter. I mean, this is this thing. We only have 28 minutes left. It's just not enough time There's for all that we have today. No uh, there's one piece in the sports business newsletter that I'd really like to address. All right. Well, then I want to make sure we get to it. All right. There's a lot going on here. Now I've been teased properly. Mm. Nicely done. All right. It's Bloom Party on 101 East. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right.
right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan. That's Action Jackson. And uh, we are giving away Bud Bash tickets. Jackson has this sports business review week <laughs> newsletter thank you yeah and there's a question you really want to ask so i want to make sure i hear it because I, I you've piqued my curiosity okay because you think this is going to get me going no i think it's just more comical i think it's really funny and uh, i think it's so far up our alley wow okay i, I wonder where we're going here so and i'm being well, you really are into this there's an article right now in the new york times detailing this so this is not like the gray lady right this is not like when i you know this is not not nonsense usc is hosting a two day boot camp where they will train people to give hot takes and hot nba analysis oh my god this is not a joke. I thought you were going to overhype it, and I was going to mock you for overhyping it, but it's underhyped. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I'm going to go the to NewYorkTimes.com time. and go to their sports section. You will see that there is a boot camp to train people a on hot ha- take boot camp. It's a hot take boot camp. Oh, God. <laughs> I honestly feel ill. I really I know, did. I, know. I feel like I bile in my body now. I, I, someone directed me towards this, and I didn't believe their... What the boot saying. camp for NBA hot takes and analysis. <laughs> it's oh. a two-day training session. Dear God. <laughs> and uh, so my questions are the following. First of all, how can we get hashtag boots on the ground so that we can get a first-hand look at the tutelage taught during this boot camp? Second, how do we form our own Take Smith boot camp? And on a little bit more serious note, does something like this just prove that more and more of Main Street sports journalism is to get more and more takey, and this is what the folks are looking for? Uh, <laughs> now you're just I feel my soul <laughs> leaving my body. I feel like Patrick Swayze as he turns around, spoiler alert, by the way, and, and looks at Demi Moore as he leaves this world. That's what I feel like. Is that ghost? It is, 1990. Uh, Righteous Brothers, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg. What a wonderful performance. Uh, we'll talk more about it in the uh, next segment. But, uh, wow. It's real. Wow. There's a two-day hot take boot camp. Can you imagine, like, your final project for that? Like, you have to come, like, you have to really drum up a take. God, Alan Williams, former NBA player, read from a teleprompter, his deep voice booming robotically in the nearby control room where USC students monitored his volume and made sure the camera was level. Nice. What a... (laughs) What a great major we all pursued. What did you do in school today? Well, I made sure Alan Williams' levels were good and the camera wasn't tilted. And that's a major? It is. It sure is. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sports Extra. I'm Alan Williams. The Miami Heat have even the series against the Denver Nuggets. The Miami Heat's tough-mindedness is really led by Coach Eric Spolstra, and their identity truly proves Heat culture. Goodbye. The hell was that? That's his take? I mean, I agree with the take, but I don't necessarily think you need to go to a boot camp. Seen somebody wrap up their take by saying goodbye. I started takes by saying hello. So yeah, that's true. Full circle. And your other question was, is this what people want? No, this is what people are given. Right. So it's more so the industry shaping the people's wants, more so than the people's wants shaping the industry. But it's not. It's it's truly not limited to sports because that's. I guess kind of our industry. It is for this hour for TMA. It's about three percent of the industry for us. Uh, it's what makes the you know Skip Bayless doesn't go. You know I understand where Eric Spolster is coming from, but here is why I think the Denver Nuggets are the better team. Right. He 
screams and insults his co-host, gets his co-host to quit, and, you know, that's the game, is to be the most outlandish. But that is included in politics, that yeah. is included in entertainment, certainly what's celebrated in social media. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm like Timothy Leary. I've just tuned out. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> where I am. I, I, I'm not saying to change. I'm just saying that's cool. I had a nice 25-year run. I just I don't I have zero because I don't want to lie to people. Right. That's where I am. I don't want to like play a character. And as a father of of two, you know, young boys, I don't want to be like, hey, I know that, you know, he's got a game tonight, but I gotta watch the Cardinal game so I can like continue my character of attacking somebody on the Cardinals to try to get likes, right. which will of course in parentheses not really result in any money. End parentheses. So I just I find it to be disingenuous. So if you're coaching people on how to give opinions, then you're actually coaching people on how to lie. Right. An opinion is organic. Exactly. But that's the thing that confuses me about the take culture is that what to me is clearly acting is taken seriously. So it's like when the the kid in the stands at the wrestling uh, seminar started weeping and saying, it's still real to me. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. <laughs> he he still wants it to be real. Are there people out there weeping when they find out Stephen A. Smith didn't really mean that or Skip Bayless didn't really mean that? Right. So, I don't know. I, I, I like tuning in or reading someone who an incident occurs and I don't necessarily know what their opinion is, but I know that I'm curious of it because they're going to uh, back it up with with facts and essentially present it like like a lawyer and not do it to get likes. That's where I am. That is why I find this to be so revolting. Wow, you did have a nice little tease there and it delivered. I tip my cap to you. Appreciate you. Yeah, I, mean, I think that you're uh, spot on. With it. It, it, sports are just like the microcosm of what media's. I don't want to say like objective is, but like some people's objective is like let's make this as grand as possible well, it's because it's a for-profit business and exactly. then therefore any idealism is is misguided yeah because the profit comes from engagement exactly. and engagement comes from outlandish right and so in that sense like it's totally understandable that a business wants to make as much money as possible but I, you would hope your hope is that the audience understands that what they're watching is more theater than it is truth and the truth in the sense of, are these opinions actually coming from the people who are giving them, or are they essentially created in the lab, in a sense? Because if that is the case, that's totally fine, but you have to understand what you're watching. And the nuanced sports takes, while not might, maybe not popular, are more so where you should be going to get information or analysis. But again, it's what people want, and if that's what the people want... Well, I, I'm just... I'm, I, see, that's the, that's the only part of what you said that I that I don't necessarily agree with. It, it's what, what's what you're served at the restaurant. Sure. So therefore, it's what you eat. Yeah. But it might not necessarily be what you want. And the reason you're served it is not necessarily because it kills. It's because it's low cost, relatively speaking, as opposed to, say, you know, from my standpoint, and again, it's subjective, but from my standpoint... The best sports journalism that I see is Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel on HBO. But there is so much cost associated with the travel, 
the staffing that's well beyond the reporter. I mean, the staffing is probably 10x for uh, everything other than the reporter. And so it's not necessarily a super profitable venture as opposed to, okay, we built the set for a few thousand dollars and now we're just going to go live to Shannon and Skip and they're going to argue with each other for an hour and our expenses are going to be fixed and they're going to be their two salaries. And I realize the outside looking in is going, well, they're each making like 10 million a year. So that's pretty expensive. And I agree it is, but it's $20 million, which would be less expensive than going and hiring reporters and sending them all over the world. And then also sports teams are like dictatorial governments and that they're not going to do interviews because there's no upside to to telling what's really going on. And so you're stuck with speculation and speculation leads to takery. So that's why we get what we get. That's what's served at the restaurant. It's not because that's what the customers want to eat. All right, we'll take a commercial break. We'll come back with more Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Build up music. Build up. Build up music. Build up. Jackson, uh, we told the people we were going to give a uh, set of four tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals and Astros featuring the Mark Witten bobblehead. Uh, you can find out more on this season's series of Budweiser Bash Cardinals games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. Uh, we got a, a, a great amount of texts, uh, but, the, but your tease on the hot take boot camp is what piqued my interest, and then off I went. Uh, so what are you selecting for today's text of the day? And four ticks to the Cardinals and Astros on Tuesday. Absolutely. I am picking the person who originally sent this, the uh, story about BK. I feel like uh, we need to get him in here to defend himself. Yeah, I know. And so I'm going to pick that person. I'm currently looking for the exact text that came in there, but that person will be getting oh, the wow. The fire starts. A twisted fire starts. Uh, yeah. Prodigy, 1997, 1996. Somebody will check on that. Yeah. When, uh, once I find that text, we will contact that person because uh, it led to some great conversation. That did. Uh, fun with water sports. Uh, Jackson, we have the Sports Business Weekly Review uh, Journal. Indeed we do, Tim. Um, so yesterday, Hal Steinbrenner, owner of the Yankees, uh, discussed on the radio that he doesn't understand why fans are so upset when it's only the third week of June. My question coming from this is, do you think that fans have somewhat unrealistic expectations? And do you think that's been going on for a long time? Or is this a phenomenon that started in the last 15, 20 years or so? And do you think fan angst ever shapes the front office's moves? I would, I would ask our, uh, listeners who can recall 1995 and that was the year the Cardinals fired Joe Torre and traded Todd Zeal who for a number of years was kind of the I guess a better comparison might be Dylan Carlson than say Jordan Walker Oscar Tavares uh, kind of that next tier but we certainly heard a lot about him I was delivering pizzas then 1995, right here, Olive P- uh, Pizza Hut. Yeah. Craig Road, Jack. That's where I was, delivering pizzas. Kind of my neck of the woods. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember listening to sports radio as I was delivering pizzas. 18 years old, strapping boy. Yep. And uh, the, the day that, that Tory was fired, I don't recall the kind of angst anxiety, frustration, anger even, yeah, directed toward the Cardinal organization 
from 1990 through 1995 that the Cardinal organization has experienced from, if we want to draw a parallel years-wise, 2018 to 2023 or 2017 to 2022, whatever gap you want to choose. And what would be interesting with that, now maybe I'm wrong, maybe people will text in and say, no, it was, there was, but what I would present is, even though I will be right there with those of you who say, but the Cardinals really haven't been world championship contenders, we do have to acknowledge they were in the NLCS, even though I think those of us who've seen plenty of Cardinal playoff teams would say that wasn't a great NLCS team relative to other NLCS teams. The 2020 thing is kind of a whatever, but, you know, they did go to the playoffs. 2021 did get into the one-game playoff, and 2022 won a division. 1990, they finished in last place. And then 91 through 95, they were just kind of also rands. And yet the angst now is greater, in my opinion. Now, I was obviously in grade school and high school, so it's it's tough to try to draw a great parallel. But the reason I use that is because you had that stretch of time for the Cardinals that produced little success, if any. And this stretch of time, which has produced some success... And I, and I would then go, okay, well, then why is that? If my hypothesis is correct that there was less angst during that time than there is now, if you are going to agree with that and you are 40-plus years old so you can remember that time, why was that? And so I would suggest a couple reasons for it, not knowing if they're necessarily accurate, but all I can do is try to draw comparisons. Number one, the brewery, Gussie Bush had passed away. And the brewery was moving on from the Cardinals. And, and they had very little interest, relatively speaking. Different time. Whereas this ownership group is building up, uh, a, a, first of all, relatively, relatively new stadium. Uh, not all that new anymore, but relatively new. But all the development around it. And haven't had any success, really, uh, in free agency. And I think there is a sense that this team could be a championship team if the organization would go out and bring in players, whereas I think there was more of an acceptance. That's the baseball side of it. The sports business side of it, to tie into where you bring it in, is you really didn't have sports talk radio then like you do now, podcasts and social media. And so if you're in these bubbles or message boards even... Uh, people, you know, are still on those where if you're in that bubble, then it just feeds on itself of negativity. So we're talking about sports media and outlandish cells will also negativity cells. Where is there, where you often see a whole lot of compliments that aren't really virtue signaling on, on Twitter, on social media. It's very rare. Yeah. So that I think creates it because I look at the New York Yankees and they're eight games over 500 now, they're further back in first place than the Cardinals are, but that's because the Rays are just shy of 30 games over 500 themselves. So that's New York. But this is St. Louis, which is about as opposite ends of the extreme in so many ways, but in particular sports media-wise. And I would tell you, Jackson, that that is going to be the culture no matter where you go when it comes to sports for a team because negativity is what's going to breed interest because that's where you can be more of a takesmith. Sure. So I think that that is where it comes from. 
And I think that is the biggest difference between now and, say, 1990 to 1995. I, and I think that that's a great point there with uh, it's kind of, you know, a, a compilation of so many different things. I have a question for you. Mm, um, mm, mm. And this is baseball specific, but when you, let's say early 2000s, even late 90s, was the spending outside, like obviously the Yankees have always spent a lot of money, Dodgers have spent a lot of money, but has teams that are somewhat on the periphery spent the the amount of money on free agent talent that, you know, teams like the Padres and the Mets and, I mean, going back, the Angels have spent on free agency as as they do now, as they did back then, like was the spending as egregious back then as it was? I would tell you it was more so. And if you take a look at the 1999 World Series champion, the 2000 World Series champion, the 2001 American League champion, the 2003 uh, American League champion, the 2004 World Champion. All of those teams are either the Yankees or the Red Sox. And there was a thought process at that time, more so than now, in my opinion, that you could buy a world championship. Uh, You know, the Texas Rangers went out and spent a lot of money this year. Mm -hmm. And they went out and got Bruce Bochy and Mike Maddox out of retirement. But the New York Mets and San Diego Padres also spent a lot of money, and those teams are having some real problems. So it isn't necessarily the solution, which is why drafting... And signing the right free agents and spending the right money. The Cardinals have spent money. Mm-hmm. So that's where I disagree with a portion of the fan base say so they don't spend money. They do. The issue is with, with where they've spent it. Sure. That's the issue. Right. That's the issue. But I think it's easier and it gets people going quicker by saying, oh, Bill DeWitt's just hoarding money and all he cares about is Ballpark Village. Dude is rich. Period. It doesn't matter if they have a 2% profit margin or 2% loss. He's fine. The issue is the management that allows them to allocate dollars so poorly. That's the issue. So the DeWallet thing is such a misnomer. I would say the DeBudget is a problem. That's the problem because I don't know why anybody who thought, hey, let's try and win a world championship would go, okay, who do we have? This is our rotation. Adam Wainwright, who's all but done. Steven Matz. And then Jordan Montgomery, who the Yankees parted with. We don't need Jose Quintana. And Miles Michaelis. And now we're ready to go with Jack Flaherty because we think he can regain a form he had four years ago when he didn't have a shoulder labrum tear. That's just not that's not that's not going after it. But you allocated dollars to a catcher who you're already talking about being a long term DH or outfielder. It's and John Mozalek revisited that again uh, this week. So I, I, for the life of me, that part is something that is different now uh, that multiple teams can spend. Whereas 20 plus years ago, it was the Yankees and Red Sox, and the perception was buying championships. And by the way, in 2000, the National League winner was the Mets, and in 2006, the near National League winner were the Mets, had it not been for Wainwright, Freeze, and Beltran. So it was New York and Boston winning championships. And then here over the last decade or so, it's been the Los Angeles Dodgers. But another part of the Dodgers story is how well they've drafted. It's not just their dollars. And their ability to draft effectively gives them capital to make acquisitions to then bring people to the Dodgers and potentially lock them in or just rent them. And that is why that part of the story is a big one. And it's not just spending dollars just for the sake of doing so. Because winning in the offseason only takes you up through April 1st. 
first. All right, time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are up next. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN.